I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. When I talk to other emerging entrepreneurs, I sort of tell them, I'm going to tell you my story, and then we're going to throw it out the window, because... How often does Target pick up a product in sort of their super Target format and then four months later call you back and say, you know what, we are loving how our guests are receiving your product. Do you have enough capacity to let us expand you into another thousand stores? On this episode of Unfinished Biz, we chat with Coel Tome, founder of Nusa Yogurt, who bet big on full fat flavor and end up shaking up the entire yogurt industry. It's amazing. I think it's a testament to what we've created too in the sense that we haven't we haven't evolved the brand. Like a lot of people when they first launch something, you know, it looks one way and then about 4 or 5 years later it gets sort of transformed cuz you know, they didn't have the money or didn't have the vision or for whatever reason and um, I think it's pretty amazing that we just nailed it. Um, and I'm really proud of that. Find out where Coel's epiphany happened how she launched a dairy business from scratch, and how she keeps up with the ever-changing landscape of yogurt. Unfinished Biz starts now. So full disclosure for everybody out there, Coel's the one that got away. We always thought we'd end up investing in Noosa and partnering with Coel, but for one reason or another, it it just never worked out. Hey, but at least we got on our podcast. Same thing, huh, Rob? Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> but honestly, what actually jumped at you back in the day with her business? The biggest thing that really stood out was just similarities with Kind Bar, one of our former investments, as you remember, Rob. Yep. And it's the it's the clear packaging. It's the ingredients that you could see. The it, it was beautiful. It was real. But then, more importantly, she was zigging while others were zagging. Um, so it was the Greek style yogurts like Chobani and Faye that were really growing at the time. But she decided to create something more indulgent, dessert like. And that was that was clearly something that was going to be special in this marketplace. And the other thing I remember is as we got to know her business more, we got to know her more. Uh, and we definitely fell in love with her, the founder story. And, you know, sometimes you don't end up with a partner. You end up just with a great friend. And we were able to sit down this time with Coel at Expo East, a natural product trade show in Baltimore. Tell us a little bit about how you started Noosa. Well, I think it's uh, important to sort of go back a a little bit and uh, sort of how I found myself in sort of the natural food world. And I landed in Boulder, Colorado in 2000. I was working in an IT job sitting in a cubicle, having the soul sucked out of me. (laughs) How did you pick Boulder out of all places? Oh, gosh, you know, there might be a boy involved in the story. (laughs) We won't won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, But anyway, uh, you know, Boulder had been somewhere that I had visited sort of through the years, and I'd been living in Montana and uh, had the opportunity to sort of pick, you know, anywhere in the country and um, picked Boulder. So yeah, I was doing some soul searching in my cube and uh, food for sure was that sort of passion point. And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm living in the mecca of natural foods. I'm going to work in the natural food industry. So it probably took me about 18 months before I, you know, finally made that breakthrough and landed a job with Izzy Beverage Company. And they were probably about 18 months old at the time when I joined them as their supply chain coordinator and you know ultimately was sort of um, promoted to their supply chain manager and 
I just really leveraged the hell out of that opportunity. I talked to sort of all of the leadership team and said, will you let me sit in on any other meeting? And and they did, as long as you got your day job done. So, you know, it was sort of during that time that I was back down in Australia visiting uh, my family and introducing them to my now husband. And uh, we had just been at the beach and we were walking back to my mum's beach apartment and we stopped in at this little local corner shop, so sort of like a convenience store. And, um, you know, I think, again because I love food and I love shopping for food I just sort of had that curiosity and walked in and I spotted this tub and it was unbranded but it was clear and it had a pop of passion fruit puree in it and if you've never seen a passion fruit it's very vibrant it's orange it has black seeds in it so it immediately piqued my interest I picked it up discovered it was yogurt Um, and so I you know bought it a few minutes later was back at back at my mum's place and having my first taste and it was just this sort of revolutionary taste moment because it wasn't like yogurt that I'd actually grown up with in Australia and it wasn't like anything that I could find back in Colorado and you know my husband's used to me sort of gushing about food and I was like you don't understand this is like the best thing I've ever eaten and he's like oh yeah yeah it's it's just yogurt and uh Later that day, I was actually sort of recounting the story with my mom. And she's like, you should, you should call them. And I was like, and tell them what? And she's like, well, I don't know. Tell them that their yogurt's delicious. And I was like, okay. And uh, so I ended up calling this Aussie family. Turns out they were, had only been in business for a little while. And How'd you track them down? Oh, I just, there was a number on the, on the package. <laughs> cool. And uh, they... Uh, Again, had only been in business for a little while, and I sort of, you know, gave them my little spiel about, you know, I'm an Aussie expat living in Colorado. It's this amazing food community. You know, like, have you ever thought about doing anything outside of the out of Australia? And they're like, no, no, we're we're too busy. And so I was like, okay, well, I'd love to stay in touch. So headed headed back to Colorado to my my day job at Izzy, and um, basically, so that was back in 2004. So I basically obsessed about this yogurt for the next two years. And that was the midst of the the Greek boom. Yeah, so Greek was just sort of starting to emerge. Um, And because I was sort of so fixated on the category, I I realized something was, you know, shifting in in the yogurt aisle. And uh, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything that tasted like this moment back in Australia. And so it was about two years later, I'm headed back down to see my family and uh, my boss at the time at Izzy, uh, Drew Grumhouse, was like, please, please just call this Australian family back. You're driving us crazy. And Had, uh, you, had you been calling since that no, first time? No, no. Okay. I was just, uh, you know, just living my life in Colorado. Wanna, but like, you, you know, didn't want to seem like a stalker. Didn't want to seem like yeah. a stalker. <laughs> um, so I actually had my mom call the second time. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's better thanks, or worse. <laughs> so, yeah, she set up a meeting. With this Australian family. Well, we look at the traction she got you. I know. My, she mo- got the my, mom, my mom will talk to anybody She's and not. become their best friend like within, you know, 15 minutes. She's amazing that way. Um, so we uh, met actually at my mom's beach apartment, which is pretty small. So we all sort of like piled into the, into the kitchen and, you know, we're you know, shaking hands and introducing ourselves. And then we walked over to the local surf club and uh, had probably a three-hour lunch and 
um, several beers, as you do in Australia. And I didn't, I didn't think I really had this, you know, firm vision of what I wanted. Ultimately, I was like, I just want to eat this yogurt. And there's just nothing like it in the US. And I, I think that there's enough sort of similarities between the American consumer and, and the Aussie consumer that this would work. And so from that lunch, I had a very loose license to the recipe. Uh, they agreed to sort of, you know, send a yogurt maker over and sort of provide the sort of the know-how once, you know, I figured out where I would make it. And uh, so I felt pretty giddy <laughs> coming out of that meeting. It's like, I am going to start a yogurt company. <laughs> Amazing. Were you still at Izzy at the time? I was still at Izzy. Yep. Yeah. So I flew back to Colorado, kept my day job and uh, just started to try and figure out how I was actually going to bring this thing to life. And, you know, I had no dairy experience whatsoever. I mean, I, d I don't think I had any perspective on how hard this was going to be. I just remember thinking I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. I think, you know, I really need a great dairy partner to help me bring this thing to life. And that's actually one thing you can't Google. Like you can find dairies, but actually sort of trying to figure out like who could be your dairy partner is not something that you can Google. Um, it was probably about a month later, I was just in a local coffee shop, looked up and there was a flyer for this family farm in northern Colorado. They had a little blurb on their story, fourth generation. They weren't treating their cows with growth hormones, growing all their own feed. I'm like, I'm going to call them. So I cold called. I connected with Rob Graves, Farmer Rob, as we like to call him. And he very graciously agreed to meet with me up at the farm. And that first meeting, I don't think I actually had, had the yogurt. So, you know, it was just me sort of trying to describe this taste experience and uh, I think he thought I was just batshit crazy to be honest um, you know here's this Australian girl living in Boulder like what is she talking about this <laughs> yogurt so I, I got some of the samples and went back up to that dairy and um, had Rob taste the yogurt and he had that similar sort of taste moment he was like this is not yogurt I'm like right like we have to make this and um you know, it's so interesting. I mean, we were complete strangers. In two meetings, he agreed to go into business with me. And what gave you conviction to do the branding, the marketing? Because before that, you were actually working at supply chain, right, at Izzy? Yeah. So, I mean, going way back, I actually, I graduated with a marketing degree. Not that I actually ever really did anything um, with it until, you know, sort of my Noosa career. And, but I had enough, you know, sort of foundation I just knew what I really liked and to work with somebody that sort of pushed those boundaries for me as well. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. I think it's a testament to what we've created too in the sense that we haven't, we haven't evolved the brand. Like a lot of people when they first launch something, you know, it looks one way and then about four or five years later it gets sort of transformed because, you know, they didn't have the money or didn't have the vision or for whatever reason. And um, I think it's, pretty amazing that we just nailed it um, and I'm really proud of that so you launched at Whole Foods Rocky Mountain kind of where did it go from there so yeah January 2010 we had basically two customers as we got out of the gates so Whole Foods Rocky Mountain uh, and in just in their Colorado stores to start with 
And then um, Morning Fresh, Rob's Dairy also had home delivery. So uh, that was that was handy. And, uh, you know, we might have been making one or two small batches a week if we were lucky. And, you know, again, I think about just networking and really leveraging that and sort of, again, going back to sort of my Izzy alums, uh, Izzy had been acquired by Pepsi. And so everybody sort of in that company had now gone and started something new. And about four months into uh, 2010, I actually got an email from Dan Sims at King Supers. And he said, you know what, there is uh, a competitor that is going out of business in their six ounce yogurt cups. It was Horizon we've got immediate space on our shelf. Can you, can you supply a hundred stores? And, you know, we were, we were bullish. We built our own manufacturing and we were able to say yes immediately because we knew we could scale that. And how did you fund the business at this point? So we were completely self-funded and, uh, you know, I was very fortunate from my Izzy days. Um, once they were acquired, I had options. So I basically took my life savings. I was like, you know what? This was a windfall that I never expected in my life. And if I gamble it on this business and it doesn't, you know, pay a return, what's the worst that, I, you know, is going to happen? I'm going to have to go back and get a, a day job. And so wh where did you go from there? So you, you, you had... Yeah, geographic concentration in Colorado. Yeah, so we were sort of had those two retailers and then we're doing the farmer's market in Boulder. Uh, so every Saturday morning I was Like a good Boulder brand does. Like a good Boulder <laughs> brand does. It's actually really hard to get into the farmer's market. So in a lot of ways that was a harder sell than getting into a grocery store. And, you know, if you visit Colorado in the summertime, you'll ultimately end up at the Boulder Farmers Market. And so we were very generous at sampling. Um, it actually got like, there were days where it was like so crowded and people were just like, I'm next. And I'm like, okay, everybody calm down. You're, you're gonna get a sample. But from that, you know, people visiting from out of town would go back and email us and like, loved, you know, finding your yogurt, wanna be able to eat it. And, and then they would go and, you know, go to their local grocery store and request it. So we started getting like inbound inquiries from out of state. And uh, one of those was actually uh, the president of Hy-Vee had tasted it at the farmer's market. He told his VP of sales that they needed to carry it. The president of Hy-Vee was in th at the Boulder farmer's market? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they reached out to us. That was probably in late 2010 and uh you know that was interesting sort of making that yes to go to iowa and sort of the midwest because you don't really think of the midwest as sort of being early adopters but man they like they like good dairy so uh and they're and they're a good partner to work with as well and so we sort of rolled the dice in making that decision and it actually um it worked really well so after Colorado and Iowa, where'd you go? Where'd you go next? So we decided to bring on an outside um, business development sales manager, and he uh, is very good at is selling. Is this where Fred Newbauer comes That's in? That's where Fred Newbauer comes in. He should get a shout out. Fred definitely needs a shout out. Yep. There were there were moments where I think I was talking to Fred more than my own husband. Uh, <laughs> 
spent a lot of time with Fred. Uh, yeah, so we connected. Actually, he stalked me at Expo West and uh, was very determined that he was going to work with us. And um, kudos to him for being perseverant. And so we connected with, with Fred and didn't really have a strategy. And that can be dangerous when you're working with somebody that's really good at selling. And uh, we actually got a meeting with a retailer out east, uh, ShopRite. And, you know, of course we're going to go. We get the meeting and then we get a yes. I'm like, okay, we're going to do it. And that actually ended up being probably one of our biggest mistakes. It was going into a market where we had zero brand awareness. Uh, we couldn't really replicate what we were doing in Colorado as far as me being you know, in the stores doing demos and farmers markets and sort of leveraging sort of that friends and family network. And then from a, just an operational standpoint on the supply chain side, we were still only you know, making the yogurt with 28 days of shelf life man, did I grow a thick skin after sort of that experience. But we were just, we were hemorrhaging money. I mean, from the sort of slotting fees that we had to pay to just the spoils. Um, we just were not equipped at that time to go so far, so fast. And uh, probably about nine months later, we had to decide, okay, we're self-funding this business you know, I wasn't paying myself. Rob wasn't paying himself. Um, you know, what are we doing here? So we actually made the very hard decision to pull ourselves off the shelf. And that's nerve-wracking because you just don't know if you're ever going to get that opportunity again. And But it was the right decision for the business. I mean, we just couldn't keep hemorrhaging that kind of money. And that really made us sit down as a group and say, okay, we are self-funding this business. What the hell is our strategy? We can't we can't replicate this mistake again. Otherwise, it'll yep. will self-implode. And realize that it was, I think, building out this great regional business. If we were ever going to sort of do anything on a national scale, um, it had to be again with that right partner that works with emerging brands. And so that sort of was a I think. A crappy thing to happen, <laughs> an expensive thing to happen, but I'm so glad it happened so soon. Were you able to adjust the shelf life issue that you had? Yeah. So, I mean, we were, imagine when we started making the yogurt, we were actually cooling it in 10 gallon buckets. So to then like move to the next phase where we were, you know, cooling it in bigger tanks uh, and still trying to get, you know, that same level of artisanship and quality um, was an interesting process and a huge testament sort of to Rob and sort of his you know dairy expertise and also sort of his engineering um, brain and and that was we kept sort of leapfrogging sort of the process so now in 2017 we are at 45 days okay. yeah so that's very helpful you know as you think about shipping logistics and you know still you know being fresh on the shelf and and going into new markets it's yeah. I, I sort of joke, I'm like, I will never go into a perishable business again. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2012, Target knocked on our door and I felt a lot more confident about saying that yes uh, 
because I had had experience working with them from my Izzy days. And I really understood more from the operational side that you needed to be a very great partner with them because they have very high expectations. And I had that level of expertise that I could share that with my team. But it also meant maybe sort of slowing down the sales cycle to, to other retailers to be able to really deliver um, on that promise with them. And again, it sort of, you know, when I, when I talk to other emerging entrepreneurs, I sort of tell them, I'm going to tell you my story and then we're going to throw it out the window because how often does Target pick up a product in sort of their super Target format and then four months later call you back and say, you know what, we are loving how our guests are receiving your product. Do you have enough capacity to let us expand you into another thousand stores? And, you know, again, we had, you know, had been kept investing in expanding our capacity, but this was just a huge moment for us. And I remember calling Rob and I said, do you think we can make enough yogurt? And, you know, he did some like, you know, back of the napkin sort of math and he's like, yeah, we can do it. He's like, but you absolutely have to stop selling to other retailers until we can sort of build out more capacity. You know, in some ways it actually sort of created this sort of pent up demand from a lot of uh, key retailers. They're like, what, you're, you're gonna say no to me? Um, but I think, again, sort of going back to my operational background, I'm like, I'm, I'm not gonna not deliver to you. Um, it's just, I wanna do it and be on my A game. So once we have the right capacity and infrastructure, we'll come back and we'll do it together. And, and how quickly did you know that, hey, this is going to work with Target? Was it the first month? Probably, definitely the first month. I mean, we just kept sort of seeing every week it just go tick, 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 yeah. tick. And then obviously they were watching that too on, on their end. And to, to get a call so soon after testing right. uh, was very remarkable. So I was leading sales and marketing. We had um, a COO and we never actually had a CEO. We sort of, you know, did, you know, voting by proxy. And, um, and then, you know, my mate Fred was, was helping us on sort of the sales side as well with a network of brokers. And then, you know, Rob was running more of the operations side of the business and, and making the yogurt. Obviously, we had, you know, more people on the operational side of the business than the commercial side of the business. Um, so running the business probably too leanly um, in hindsight. So heading into 2014, I had had my first child at the beginning of 2013. So just juggling, obviously, a lot of different different things in my life. And, you know, going back to sort of realizing, you know, competition was really heating up for us. And I knew that that growth curve wasn't slowing and it was time for us to get ahead of that. And so we, you know, really sort of sat down and talked about what would that look like, you know, taking on an investment partner. And um, ultimately, that's where I sort of really leveraged my network around, you know, what's the best way to do this? And so we ended up hiring an investment bank to sort of help us through that process because it's, it's pretty crazy. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of options out there. There's a lot of money, but finding the right partner is, is key if you want your you know, company to be successful in a go-forward way. And, you know, for us, we wanted to be involved on a go-forward. And so that really meant doing a lot of diligence and, you know, obviously, you know, also finding someone that can bring operational expertise was, was key. 
And uh, it was a pretty crazy year, sort of running that process, but still running the business. And uh, probably the closest I've come to feeling like what a nervous breakdown <laughs> could feel like. <laughs> Retailers just don't have a lot of tolerance for you not shipping product and having empty shelves. And, you know, I took that really to heart, really seriously. And then was sort of like, is this going to implode our deal and bringing on a partner? We've worked so hard to sort of get to this point. And it actually really helped us decide who was the right partner to go with. Uh, so we brought on Advent at sort of November of 2014. And they really have been terrific to work with because they've allowed us just to think bigger, faster, um, and really get ahead of that curve finally. And from that point on, what does Noosa look like today? Noosa is, uh, gosh, I mean, we finished the year last year at $170 million in revenue. And what I'm most excited about is that as a go forward, I've been able to actually finally have fun with something that I created. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we took that investment. We actually finally built out a team of people. Uh, so we've got a really amazing group of people. And it allowed me to, and, and Rob as well, to really be involved strategically in the business in a way that, you know, I think really adds value to the business and sort of adds value to our lives. And I think that's something in the early days, I felt sort of this pressure. People would be like, oh, when I was at the market, like, you should do this or you should do that. And I was like, you know what? We can only do this because we've decided to be, you know, self-manufactured. And so that actually put guardrails that really helped us just stay focused. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes want to chase that sort of shiny object. And that can be very detrimental. I think just being focused and sort of patient uh, can get you a lot further in your business. Right after the break, we'll talk more with our guest, Noosa Yogurt founder, Koel Tomei. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can catch up on all of our episodes at unfinishedbiz.com and chat with us on Twitter at unfin underscore biz. Subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or any podcast app of your choice. We're always looking for questions and suggestions. Please reach out. And now back to our episode with Nusa Yogurt's Quell Tome. So was there ever an instance where you had a, a bet the company type of moment? I think that was the beginning. I mean, to take my life savings and sort of leverage that and risk that was really that moment. And to actually go and build a manufacturing facility, to have that sort of belief was really that moment. And you know, again, I knew that Australian consumers and U.S. consumers weren't dif so different. And I knew that it was sort of already that proven concept, even in a small area in Australia. But I just, in my gut, I was like, I know it. We're going to make our own yogurt, you know, to have that control and to be able to, you know, scale it how we felt comfortable. Um, so that really was the bet, bet the moment. It was always highs and lows through an entrepreneurial journey is there a notable low point for you again going back to sort of 2014 and and talking about you know running the team so leanly trying to like juggle being a new mom and sleep deprived and still traveling all the time and then trying to bring on an investment partner 
and that's a lot of different things going on and then to in the middle of that have this capacity issue and then you know having to go and like call retailers and sort of disappoint them I took that really really personally you know again I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs really understand that it's not just about you know the consumer it is about being a great partner with your retailers and being an a-class supplier and you know I think that was something that we absolutely prided ourselves on and to sort of have that happen again just felt really personal to me and then I had to go and call you know a potential investment partner and say oh by the way I don't think we're actually going to hit that revenue number because we're now shorting product Um, and what did that mean would that scare them away Uh, and to have like invested so much time and energy and think that that could have all just self-imploded was super stressful and um, you know certainly got through it and uh, was you know it's sort of crazy like I remember the day we closed the deal and everyone was like oh are you gonna take some time off I was like time off I mean this is Friday I gotta get to Kroger on Monday for you know new item presentations like I'm getting on a plane um, so I, I didn't even have time to sort of like really process all of that you and came to the Justin's open house that night Oh, I probably did. Yeah, I, who I knows? Remember. I mean, well, I was like... It's like, well, Coel's here. <laughs> How did you resolve that short-term capacity issue? We had to really sort of look at our, our retailer list and figure out, you know... Allocations? Allocations, you know. Um, and I personally called every single retailer and sort of walked them through what we were doing to solve the problem and, um, you know... They, I think, again, because they had known me for a long time, gave me a little bit longer leash, but still was sort of that reprimand of, like, don't pull this again, you know. Um, So, yeah, so really stressful time. I mean, closest I've ever come to feeling like what a nervous breakdown could feel like, and that's not a good feeling. And correspondingly, high point. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. Every, every entrepreneurial journey is, is full of highs and lows and um, so many highs. Uh, you know, I think back to 2011 and we got uh, an email from uh, Rafe at Byright Market. And Byright is um, one of sort of the leading edge, what I think, sort of food markets in San Francisco. And it's tiny, tiny. They do like a crazy volume in this like small square footage. And... That to me was just so validating to get this, you know, um, cutting edge, small, small but mighty retailer sort of acknowledge how amazing the product was. And I actually went back and sort of read that email coming into this podcast. And it just I it just gave me that feeling again. I was like, that, oh, it's like such a great moment. And I love that you saved it. Oh, yeah. Um, I actually ran into I always every time I'm in San Francisco, I try and pop in and, you know, see if he's there and, and say good day. And uh, so that was like just such a high moment in the early days. And then I think, you know, to that target moment, because again, from my Izzy experience, I knew this was a game changer for the business, you know, putting us onto that that national stage. And if we could do it really well, you um, 
you know, I think it was sort of to the moon from there. And it really was a very pivotal moment for, for the company. Well, the journey's still going. What keeps you up at night? I'm happy to say my daughter mostly sleeps through the night these days. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I've got an amazing team of people now that I can sort of um, share that burden with. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting time in yogurt. You know, the, the category has started to flatten. So it's sort of the first time that we haven't collectively be on, been on this rocket ship. So I think just, you know, that selling proposition is just getting exponentially hard in the category because now, you know, dairy cases are not just expanding, expanding, expanding. So the, you know, competition for space is just exponentially harder. So that's, that's an interesting challenge. And I think the retail environment we're in right now is a little schizophrenic. Um, you know, you've got retailers that have been doing business a certain way for all of time suddenly changing their model and you know i i have a lot of empathy for people that are just getting started right now because you know even as an established brand there are things that are happening that are so challenging and to think about having to deal with that at the very beginning of your life stage is um, pretty daunting you know robin i feel like we've heard it all Founders finding each other in all sorts of different ways, but this time, a flyer? I know. I, apparently, I need to pay more attention to flyers. But we <laughs> definitely don't want to shortchange Coel's incredible achievement. Nothing about the journey's been easy. Coel has had to make some tremendous sacrifices and take some big risks along the way. By now, you probably get the sense that Coel is a pretty tough cookie, so it won't surprise you to hear how she likes to unwind. I am... Very passionate about mountain biking. I, um, you know, it's interesting. I think back to the early days where I was running, you know, working two jobs and basically working 24-7. And I started to realize that my health was, you know, being impacted by that. So I started to try and at least put, you know, a bike ride at least once a week on my calendar. And that was sort of, you know, sanity for me. And so that is just something that I love to do. It's just, it challenges me in different ways. It allows me to sort of clear my head, keeps my street cred up. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to Spain in two weeks on a mountain bike trip with, with some girlfriends. So um, I love to mountain bike, but I also love to use that as a vehicle to, to travel. All right, Coel, it's time for our signature game, a rapid fire, 60 seconds. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Bring it on. The first thing you read every day is? The New York Times. What's your favorite movie? Oh, really bad romance. Any bad romance movie. Karaoke song you're most likely to belt out? Uh, take, take, no, take me on my Franz Ferdinand. Your hometown is famous for? Tourism. What's your guilty pleasure? Watching... Uh, reality shows first car you ever drove toyota rav4 runner-up name for your business that didn't make the cut crocodile yogurt <laughs> just <Do> you, kidding <laughs> do you recline on airplanes yes if you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water what do you choose beer what was your last new year's resolution to be on time if you were stranded on an island and you could only bring one thing what would it be? Lychee nuts. What's the last hashtag you've used? 
Hashtag Expo Life. Where's the next place you'd like to travel? Spain. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by? Kylie Minogue. (laughs) 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 Talent... Talent you don't have, but wish you did. Um, I wish I could do like really big jobs on my mountain bike. What's your most hated food? Overripe bananas. That was, good. That was awesome. That was unexpected. It was very unexpected. Was very, I, liked, <laughs> I, I like the crocodile yogurt. Yeah. I was like, really? Oh, you kicked ass. <laughs> so any wise words of wisdom for entrepreneurs listening today? Don't do it. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, absolutely do it and get comfortable in the uncomfortable because there's going to be a lot of that and uh, also get work, get ready to work really bloody hard. Um, I had no perspective on how hard I was going to have to work and yeah. Well, on behalf of me and Robin, thanks for uh, joining us on Unfinished Biz, Coel. Thank you. And I, I'm going to do a little Aussie shout at the end to wrap this up. So I don't know if you guys know this, but Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie? No. Oi, oi, oi. Why didn't you do it? If you knew the answer, why I, did you? I, I feel like that's a soccer chant. Is that no? Yeah, it's like sport chant. Yeah. yeah. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. I'm Wayne. We'll be back on the next episode with Leandra Medin founder of the fashion and lifestyle brand Man Repeller, which started as a blog, grew into a brand, and continues to evolve. Man Repeller was really literal at first. It was a site about trends that women love and men hate, period. But the nature of my writing is such that I'm really interested in what makes women feel comfortable or uncomfortable and really shining light on people's vulnerabilities and what makes them human. And I think that has always bled through in my writing. And as as I was building Man Repeller and as it was growing, that became more and more important. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.